0: For February 19th, 2024, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 816. You poor sack of potatoes. Welcome to Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. The overthinkers are your smart, funny friends from the internet. We're like a team. We're like a team who has come through a long season and reached the the, the pinnacle of our careers, the pinnacle that of, of our sports uh, uh, prestige and performance, and... Uh, Then it all goes to hell and we decide it in the last 30 seconds of, of overtime in the, in the thing. Yes, we're talking about the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. L. LX, I forget what number Super Bowl is. Is it Either
1: Taylor? Uh, I it. think yeah. is the, the letters you're looking for,
0: and that's a that's a Roman numeral for 13, which is Taylor Swift's favorite number. Her cats' names are uh, Olivia Benson, Meredith Gray, and Benjamin Button, and uh, and her boyfriend is uh, uh, might be talking talking to LVPD about assault when this uh, when this podcast is over. But it's shocking, shocking on the on the sidelines he attacked the lorax there was the lorax standing there on the sidelines speaking for the trees for the trees have no tongues and in comes travis kelsey uh you know hot as anything hot as a pistol and just body checks him anyway i'm getting ahead of myself uh i'm matt rather i don't know what position i play on this team but i am here with our quarterback pete fenzel hello pete how are you
2: you know I'm doing okay, Matt. How are you doing? I'm. Oh, sorry, I, should I be yelling in your face? Go! You're the quarterback. I'm the quarterback. You're yeah, not the coach. 20, 20, okay.
0: 28, 95, <laughs> Red left, red left. Um, yeah, absolutely. And and uh, one of the best tight ends ever to play the game. Not Travis Kelsey. It's Mark Lee.
1: Um, I was going for actually halftime performer. I'm oh, just dropping in here to deliver a ripping guitar solo and then uh, peace out before absolutely. the roller skating comes on. Hey.
0: We're going to talk about the, uh, we're going to talk about the halftime show. Uh, we're going to talk about the commercials. You might have gotten our, our programming note. Actually, someone, someone popped into the comments. It's always, it always kind of warms my heart a little bit when someone leaves a comment, um, uh, on our website because it, it reminds me that it's still out there and people are still reading the articles and they still kind of interact with that, interact with that websites in that sort of early 2000s, you know, uh, way that, uh, that we used to interact with websites by writing, really long uh really long comments on them even if some of the comments are uh are in um uh are on that that uh uh, awful sexist plot of starcraft article uh, talking about talking about what an idiot you are um that you know every every couple of years someone rediscovers that and we get to we get to read their read their opinions, but someone popped into the comments on the last episode of the show notes to say, uh, hey, I thought you guys were doing the Super Bowl, and we are doing the Super Bowl. we're just doing it a week late. I we left a programming note two weeks ago, but, you know, because of scheduling concerns, we could not, uh, uh, we couldn't, uh, get it all viewed, but we have been pouring over the footage. Like any good team, we go back to tape, you know, we, we train on the field. We train our minds in the clubhouse looking at, uh, looking at tape of, of previous games and of our opponents, the commercials. And when we do, we turn to one man. I, I like to call him the great the great narrativizer. Every year, every year, <laughs> once so a year on this on this thing, like Santa Claus coming. That yeah. the, he is bearded. It, the, you know, Pete Fenzel comes to tell us what all the commercials mean. Pete, what is the grand narrative this year for Super Bowl T A Y L O R? Uh, what did all of these commercials mean?
2: So, having taken the extra week to think and watch and rewatch, there's a poetics that I think informs the narrative. And the way it is expressed in the commercials is not trivial to translate. So, humor me. There is a space or a state. There is a state. I won't even I won't I will hesitate to even call it a state of being because the degree to which being is taking place in this state is not shown or knowable, and I think we could even argue that being is not taking place in this state, especially in some of the expressions that happen in across the Super Bowl ads. But across many of the Super Bowl ads, many of them, there is a state that might be being, it might not be being, but that whatever it is, is not in the presence of the – current experience of the ad, right? Whatever the relationship is and the sort of watching and, and understanding and interpreting and relating the what the Kfab, the constructed reality, whatever you want to call the immediate experience of the the ad being lived in the mind of the watcher. Mm-hmm. There is another state that is separate from this state, uh that is present or described across many of these ads and there is a person who breaks through who comes through from one state into the now state uh whether it's you know ken jong being unfrozen um whether it's Beyonce attempting to break the internet and kind of come through that way, whether it's like you know the uh, the the sort of the studio, we'll talk about all the different ads. Uh, the one that I would want to talk about the most personally is probably the Mr. T. Sketchers ad. Mm. but the point being where he busts through a wall, right um, there are other mechanisms by which that distance is traversed or commented on where the being that is in the state of not being comes into the exchange and finds the world foreign to them, different, right? Not even foreign and different. That's even casting a slightly more editorializing. It, it, it mocks them, right? The world is mocking the presence of the sleeper who's awoken or the one from the other side who's broken through. The, the world kind of cackles at the presence of the person attempting to be reborn, Right. Because there's something that's totally different or totally strange or there's like a norm that's totally shifted. Right. There's something that's different. And this this arrival ends up being a stranger in a strange land. And. There there is some sort of moments where that is cashed out with some sort of. Discussion, some sort of exchange, some sort of story, And the story in which this is cashed out varies from ad to ad. Uh, But but that to me is the core narrative. It's the arrival of the sleeper, the world and everyone in it being being different from separate from. The, the sleeper, but being us, we are on the side of the world. We are not on the side of the sleeper. We sympathize with the sleeper because the sleeper is selected to be someone we would recognize from the past, right? Or from another world, right? Uh, who has come here. Uh, and, but we're on the side of the commercial. We're not on the side of the arrival and we mock the arrival. And then there 's a reconciliation of some kind or a commentary or 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 an apotheosis or a catharsis or something and the process of all of this is to cause us to remember or associate uh, you know some something associated with the given product uh, and I think the cultural narrative is about about people, you know, the, the the way that COVID was so disrupted for such a long time and people are kind of returning to the world or have returned to the world, but they're kind of really returning to the world and mm. they're returning to the world. Not, they're not like performing returning to the world. Oh, I'm finally back, right? Like, oh, the world is is coming to life. Oh, it's awake again. No, it's just the regular world, right? But it's different than it was before. It's scary, alienating, strange. You're older. You're not cool anymore. You never were. You never realized you never were cool or that no one liked you, right? Like, Like that's kind of like uh the the message um and uh and and that that is that the audience is that the ad agency mocking the audience are we being sort of set against ourselves with the idea that we're on the side of the product i think that's part of where the deeper discussion would go but that's my narrative for this okay. i like this so, a lot i like it
1: yeah i was just i was just, I was just uh, validate like kind of your post-covid like meta-narrative arc there and like you know it's just like as we progress day by day you know past the championship season we kind of take it for granted it's like oh yeah you know like things are you know just gradually got back to normal like but that's actually not how we experience it especially with milestone events like the super bowl right Mm. like successive turns of the wheel right allow us a moment to be like whoa wait a minute february 2023 was quite different from february 2024 which in turn was also very different from february 2022 in terms of public health environment you know and just like you know the how like i think it was like even i was like in new york city at least like you know uh winter of 2022 2023 like you know this time last year basically there's probably like indoor mask wearing still happening right which is like practically unseen i mean i'm, I'm over generalizing here but you get the sense here right like so yeah love that you called out the post-covid piece of it like i think that's absolutely a thing that's going on
0: but I need I need a little more concrete. I need a little more concrete. Can we apply sure. this thought technology to an to an actual commercial, any commercial of your choice, and explain to me like uh, when we go in, who is the sleeper? What is the state of non-be or the being that is a state of non-being? Uh, where is the mockery happening? And and uh, and anything anything like this? Help me help me understand this in more concrete terms.
2: Sure, sure, sure. I mean, I guess the archetypical one is Ken Jong's Popeye's commercial. Uh-huh. Where Ken Jong is like, you've unfrozen me. Where Ken Jong has been frozen. And it's basically he's woken up into a future where he's greeted by these laboratory people and he asks them a bunch of questions about the world and what ends up ha- – and they're all sort of confused by his weird – he's shot sort of from under his nostril as this sort of like weird, overly enthusiastic person. And the big reveal is that Popeye's has wings now. But actually, let me put that aside. I'll pick the one that I want to talk about, which is Mr. T and the Skechers, okay. right? Which is So the interesting thing about the Mr. T Skechers commercial
0: – There's no T in Skechers.
2: Yes, there's no T in Skechers. That they, they, they invested the whole thing in trying to improve their keyword optimization. Right? Like the, the whole thing is about is about organic SEO, right? We just like stop misspelling the name of our shoe so that we can capture accurate metrics on how this ad will perform. Right. It's like it's like basically like how many people Google Skechers? Well, the number will go up if we get them to not misspell it. Um so the interesting thing about the Skechers commercial is that the interrogator the the person the MC of the commercial is Tony Romo, right? Who is a commentator isn't Tony it's Tony Romo in the Skechers commercial, right? Mm. And Tony Romo is the commentator yep. of the game that you are currently watching. Sure. So you are present with Tony Romo in the current world, which is like the world in which the Super Bowl is taking place, and you are currently watching a Super Bowl commercial. And Tony Romo has this pitch to give you about how Skechers doesn't have a T in it, right? And so he summons the sleeper who – and there is a wall – and Mr. T breaks through the wall. Right. It's like, oh, it's Mr. T. I know Mr. T, except now Mr. T is like, you know, he's older. He's been very sick at times. Right. Like he's he's much smaller than he used to be. Right. Like so it is Mr. T, but it's been a long time. And so so we're happy to see Mr. T because he's back and we love him. Right. Um, those of us who know who he is at this point, I mean, he's he's a major figure in the history of overthinking it. Thanks to Mr. Tea Party Day and that and that whole shenanigans. Um, uh, but, but, Mr. T has arrived, and Mr. T has different concerns than Tony Romo has about the shoes, which is that he doesn't want to have to bend over and tie his shoes. he wants to put his feet into his shoes without having to bend over and tie them, which I think is pretty great as somebody who has spent a lot of the last few years trying to put on and take off shoes while holding a baby or or some such, right like, oh man, you know like this is really great to have shoes that I'm not going to destroy by slipping my feet into them, but would also be helpful if, like you know your mobility is limited for some reason or you just can't be bothered so he's here to pitch you this whole thing about kind of kind of fighting back against a condemnation that doesn't exist for people who slide their shoes on right like like nobody cares nobody is mad in fact It's even to the point of we now live in a world where it is quite fashionable to not even show your shoelaces, to tuck your shoelaces into your shoes, right? Sneaker culture is totally different, right? So, like, the idea that you have to, like, bend over and tie your shoes visibly, it's not a thing that is really heavily featured anymore. Nobody cares. Nobody's going to be mad at you for slipping your shoes on and off. I mean, Mr. T has been behind that wall through the entirety of Crocs. Mm. Right. So like he's been in his non numeral space. So he comes forward. We're not really Mr. T. We're in the room with Tony Romo, but Mr. T is there and we like Mr. T cause we recognize him. Right. And then, um, and the link is that Tony Romo's like, oh, yeah, you know, I just I just wanted to say there was no T in it. And it's like now you're a T and you're here. And there's this sort of moment we have with Tony Romo kind of laughing about it, but then also sort of appreciating that Mr. T bothered to come. You know, it's sort of like it's sort of like, you know, you invited him to the party, but you didn't know he was going to be there. And now he's arrived and you were both excited, but you're also reassured that you're higher status than he is. And you sort of get it and you're in the know and you know the world that he doesn't. Um but all, unless unless you're the kind of person who actually wants to slip on your shoes, in which case the world is laughing at you because Mr. T is telling you about the truth for you, and Tony Romo is saying no, that's not what the world cares about now. Okay. Right? So there's this whole weird dynamic there in terms of the shoes and the laces and all that stuff.
0: So I have I like good I I think I have it. I want to bring two commercials to you that I think okay. are are in this that I think are in this this realm. I. I think I saw what you saw but I had a slightly different spin on it. Sure, my, sure. my my different spin on that is nobody is doing that. And yeah. to me <laughs> to me the like the plot of a lot of the commercials was actually nobody is doing that. Right. Right. So, um, and I, I was put onto this actually by seeing John Oliver interviewed by Colbert on his, on his CBS late show. And he pointed out this, this first one. Uh, and it's the one, uh, it's the Michelob Ultra, uh, ad with, with Leonel Messi and Ted Lasso in it. Yeah. And, um, Leonel Messi walks up to like a beach bar, beachside bar, you know, palm frond, like thatch roof and, uh, you know, bamboo, um, bamboo supporting posts and stuff like that and uh, wants a Michelob Ultra. And they have to change the the keg. And so he goes and does amazing, you know, soccer stuff on the sand uh with and and walks past Ted Lasso. Um while he's doing it and then shoots a goal and comes back and gets his his Michelob Ultra. What John Oliver pointed out to me is that Lionel Messi is never drinking a Michelob Ultra. <laughs> no one is doing that. No Lionel Messi is actually having a Michelob Ultra. That's not what the man drinks. I guarantee it. I just, you know, even if he likes likes a pilsner, you know, like right, I, I right. guarantee that that's not the that's not the one uh, that this that this person has. No one, no one is doing that. That's not even like you know I. I don't even understand the I don't even understand it as brand advertising, like wrapping your wrapping your brand in a bunch of positive associations, wrapping your kind of your commodity product in a bunch of of associations and kind of creating a moat through those associations. Like because no one thinks Lionel Messi actually wants a Michelob Ultra. No one is doing that. Here, Here's the other one. Uh, do you remember the the n f l player development ad where they had like n f l camp Africa and the kid yep. in Ghana? Is playing American football, like, uh, you know, sort of crashing through a market, you know, like he's, like he's running the football and like knocking over fruit carts and, and things like this. Do you remember, do you remember this ad? And then, and then he goes, uh, he goes outside the, the wall, which is a little post apocalyptic, but then there's the NFL doing like, doing like global player development, uh, in Ghana, you know, and, and it made me think they're playing soccer. No kid is doing that. No kid anywhere outside of the United States is doing that. They're playing real football. They're playing association football, not American football. They're playing soccer. And that's, uh, or, or rugby, some of them, but like, uh, no one, no one is doing that. And in this case, I think it's the NFL that has been asleep, right? And, and yeah. sort of. And Michelob
2: also. Yes.
0: Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you wake up to discover that there is an Africa you know and um i don't know who plays the role uh of tony romo i you know i the only tony i know is tony roma uh it's a place for ribs i'm not sure if you're familiar but like you wake up to discover that that there's africa i don't know who was sort of commenting on it maybe the the two guys who were playing uh statler and waldorf in the uh in the market like uh you know, making comments about the, the kid causing mayhem everywhere. Um, but the, uh, you know, that, that like, uh, the NFL wakes up, there's an Africa, uh, it is a, uh, it is a reality that like you, you were completely blind to before. And, uh, that, that's it. Have uh, Pete, have I cottoned on to, uh, to the theme here and, you know, with my own kind of dialect on it?
2: I think so. Yeah, I think you've definitely – you. different commercials have stepped – by the way, Tony Romo was also in that commercial, (laughs) which is interesting. (laughs) That is also a commercial that starts with the commentators of the game that you're currently watching. And then – Jumps into this, like, into the father coming in through the door. Actually, did you right? notice and, how many uh,
0: commercials Usher was in? Usher was in the BMW yeah, commercial, yeah. Uh, Usher was in, I forget the other, there was another one at least where he, he, where Usher was in it, and and they were all like, Hey, shouldn't you be at the game right now, you know? So yeah. there is this <laughs> yeah. kind of like meta reality of like the commercials kind of taking place in a notional time that is at the same time as the Super Bowl, as though, yeah. as though it's SNL and they all run from. From the field, you know, to the next to the next set to like, you know, and change their wigs and whatnot.
2: I would add that there is another character or set of characters in this commercial, which is the teams that are not in the Super Bowl show up in the commercial, huh, yeah. which is interesting. Like, there's all these players that aren't in the Super Bowl who aren't playing football right now who are shown having been like exiled to Africa. Right to like go play football with the Af- to like be the fantasy
1: for the African exile. child or,
0: exile. I, I <laughs> they've I'm also been
1: turned that. into migrating birds. In their yes,
0: <laughs> in a different yeah, in a different commercial. quite horrific the, there. Right, yeah. the sort of dehumanization. Yeah. 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 Well, that's like Sa- I mean, Saquon like,
2: Barkley, I think. Is it? Is that him drinking a coconut? I'm not sure
0: exactly. It's actually, like, it, it, the more you <laughs> think about Tommy it, they got to have Tommy DeVito in there, Tommy Cutlets. The, the darker uh, that is, really, the more you think about yeah. the, the NFL, like, repatriate. Never mind. Um, actually, you know, look at what's not here is a, is, was also a really important theme, right? Because there was in the T Mobile commercial where everyone is auditioning, they have the two guys from, um, from Suits, uh, the, uh, you know, big smarmy guy and, and younger smarmy guy, um, Gabriel mocked and Patrick Adams. Yes. Good pull, Matt. And then they have, um, they have the two, uh, in, in a different commercial in the judge Judy commercial, the two lawyers, uh, arguing in front of judge beauty are, um, uh, Gina Torres, who is from Firefly and also from Suits. And, um, the, the, the heavy, the guy who's the, the kind of the gross one yeah. from Suits. I forget the actor's name, which, yeah. you know, shame on me. But, um, th- this only serves to highlight the actor from Suits who is not in any commercials, right? Who is, of course, <laughs> Meghan Markle, you know?
2: Uh, <laughs> Wow, that's got layers. Because Suits was the number one show on Netflix this year, right? Right.
0: Yeah. Suits. Yeah. They, they took this, it, and and it was. I mean, th- it had layers for a lot of reasons. It it had. You know, I I read entertainment press just because I like to like to pretend I'm still involved in it somehow. But like, it had layers because Net- Netflix was really really flexing with Suits. Um, the whole narrative with netflix was like oh you're netflix, gonna rip them man
2: sorry what's that if you keep flexing with suits you're gonna <laughs> rip your <laughs> you
0: seams well it depends like it's the, you know all of this uh this what who is the tom brown right like the really narrow tailoring the the jackets yeah. <laughs> that look more like shirts right the ankle pants i'm just not into it give me a a classic uh give me a classic cut right but the the um you know the thing with netflix was netflix when they started Uh, they started as a streaming service. They bought up a lot of, you know, unused inventory from producers and it was like ah this dumb money from silicon valley is coming to buy up all of our our scraps and and table table leavings right like uh like lazarus at the foot of the table he longed to eat the the crumbs that fell from the the rich man's table and like ah but but it turns out that that you know netflix took that and and grew a business that dwarfed all of them put together right and and so it stopped uh stopped um selling you know, stuff to Netflix and everyone had to make their own streaming service and now all the CBS stuff is on Paramount and now all the, the Disney stuff is on Hulu or Disney Plus and all the et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, like, uh, and, but that and- hasn't worked out too well for them right so they're back no, to selling ter- stuff to netflix yeah it's terrible right? so okay we're going to sell suits to netflix and this kind of like critically you know like kind of sneered at uh show that did okay whatever canceled on U-
2: four years ago yeah, yeah. On, on usa years ago. Yeah.
0: netflix gets it and netflix says we're going to make this the Biggest television show in the world, right? And they can, let you know, because they have with with zero, uh, well, almost zero marketing. I, you know, I live in LA and I see like, um, uh, for your consideration ads around here on billboards and stuff like that. But, but like Netflix's main marketing is like whatever comes up when you turn on Netflix, right? when yeah.
2: you launch the, the when commercials you launch the... that play that are previews. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. exactly
0: right. And that's, you know, so that's, uh, that's what, what it is. And so, like, I, I don't know. There, I, sorry, I didn't mean to. That's a the, a big digression. I, I didn't mean to hijack that much time. But I I wanted to point out that that like there is to that sort of suits becoming like the the major show in in America. There is also a big corporate story of uh you know of kind of a sleeper right that that returns um and you know to has some has some harsh lessons about what the what the world is and the the sleeper is sort of the the uh, legacy. Media. Media, the legacy the legacy television production um business you know yeah uh is the ken jung waking up yeah
1: yeah I, we want I should, we should get back to the uh, ken jung um waking up you know the the the, the sleeper of this whole yeah. uh theme here but yeah. since we're talking about um the sleeper of pre-prestige television um i gotta take this opportunity to mention the pluto tv ad
0: hmm. which was oh, yeah.
1: a really interesting kind of this topic but like um flexing in its own way its non-prestige TV credentials, right? And and I think like you put suits in the same bucket of stuff that um Pluto TV was saying, hey, come over here and watch this, right? And they 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 surfaced up Star Trek. I mean Star Trek is its own thing. It's it's old, but they also very specifically said, I just want to watch hot people throwing wine in other hot people's faces. And it all kind of comes together in this amazing line at the end where this like, you know, Heartland Farmer very earnestly says this country was raised on tv tv that was easy tv that was free pluto tv is tv the way it's supposed to be and uh for for reasons that i I cannot fully put into words and for you guys to put the words in for me like that really that is the one commercial that resonated the most for me of all the crap that i saw to prepare for this um, and that how unapologetic it was and, and again like kind of this notion of the sleeper how something from the past is back and has returned and is like feeling odd and out of place because like just remember Pluto TV is free ad supported TV it's a streaming service but you you open the app or you go to the website and TV is just playing like linearly like it used to uh, back in the old mm-hmm. times. And the programming there is just like the stuff that you used to see on linear TV, and I don't know who knows whatever else, other kind of stuff in there. What was? But anyway, that that was my like number one like you know, thing that stuck out on me, and like it certainly is part of the sleeper theme here. So, did that did that resonate with either of you? Like anything else notable there? Like why I'm just kind of kind of fixated by it? Yeah,
2: I think so. I think so. My favorite moment in that ad is the woman who says that she likes she likes was it love and murder. And then she says love and love and murder together, right? Like, um, which is not how it works. <laughs> you know, like, like she likes romantic shows and she likes murder shows. And then there's this, this sort of play at the synthesis between the two that she mentions, which is, I don't think that's really what people who watch romance and murder shows want. They want the bifurcation, right? Like they want the different shows that do very different things, but it brings it into this synthesis. It's, it's really like. And that felt to me intellectually like a similar exercise because you're applying, you know, Hegelian cultural rubric. A lot of this is a Hegelian cultural rubric where, like, what is the sort of spirit of the people? Right. And then let's all laugh at the idea that there's a spirit to these people. The
0: the Weltgeist. Yeah. What's
2: what's the Weltgeist of America? And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You're all on your phones. You're not velting any geists or geisting any velts. You're not doing anything. Um, But, yeah, like – but but there's just and there's just this moment of her like careening back into her potato with the bowl of pretzels tilted like just so where it really seemed like expressionistic and tortured, but also like giddy and laughing and and uh, not clowning, you know, but 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 artistic, I suppose. Um, and and yeah, like the way that TV supposed to be is is. Because it's more the way the TV is familiar for you. There's two reasons why this would appeal to a person, right? Like that I can think of. One, you actually don't want different television. You want you're actually nostalgic for this stuff and in this sense the 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 this is a juvenilian satire of you as a wally character right you are the worst right like yeah. and not only that but it's a satire of all the other commercials at the super bowl for years and years and years and years that have leaned on farms to appeal to you yeah like, yeah 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 like like all the commercials of like american farm men are drinking budweiser with their horses and it's like dude i can't even make fun of it now because We're in the sort of we're in the part of the genre cycle of parody of that kind of commercial where that's the only kind of commercial that's like this can really like feasibly be thought to exist. And then – so there's that part of it. But then there's the other part of it like, yeah, you know why you watch this? Because you can't afford all – because the streaming services are raising their prices because their models relied on low interest rates. And you can't afford to pay for all the streaming services anymore. And you don't want to feel ashamed of the fact that you can't watch them. So here's an option for you, and here's a fig leaf you can use to cover your your misfortune, right? Like you poor sack of potatoes, right? Like, like you get to watch Pluto TV because Netflix is now like $20, right? a month right which is a lot for a lot of people uh you know like so it's i mean maybe it is maybe it isn't but that's i've said that's the i've said before for pete
0: my my idea is that we should some someone should come up with some kind of business model i'm just spitballing here okay okay where Sure. you take like paramount plus you know you take uh oh god what's the other one the tv the tv one that um Star the tv is, one yeah oh the, you mean
2: Paramount Plus and and what fubo no like uh Peacock, 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 Peacock. Peacock. Okay, yeah.
0: sorry yeah, the, yeah that was it maps almost directly onto a tv tv channel disney hulu netflix uh uh hbo max peloton um you know uh you to me you yeah. to me <laughs> no no i to me you to you yeah <laughs> yeah but uh, take all of them and and deliver them in one subscription right and we can deliver it to your house over some kind of line or wire right and it's called yep. the wire company no yep. it's called the line company. no the <laughs> <laughs> we're working on the we name we're working
1: on the name it's a bundle of potatoes a sack of bundle of it's potatoes. a, sack, so a e-
0: sack company yes exactly
2: <laughs> It's a sack You take company. a bunch of blankets and you tie them to ropes and you put the ropes on sticks and you right. attach the sticks to boats. And that way the <laughs> boat can reduce its emissions by sailing on the ocean using the blankets. Using the sailing. blankets. There you go. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, see, I see. I saw that one today. That was fun. Uh, but yeah, I know what you're saying, right? Yeah, it's like. Uh, but that, that's that's my thinking about it. Right? But yeah, that- no
0: Netflix. Netflix is like two hundred fifty bucks a year. If you uh, you know, that's almost twenty five percent of what it costs to have the New York Times delivered. No one can pay that. <laughs> Sorry, it's the magazine. It's a little callback to the magazine episode. Oh
2: yes, yes ago. for sure. Well, because the point is that the value proposition for the product is is behind this veil of satire that right like what exactly you would actually want to get out of the product is not being described to you in good faith it, you know, it's being it's being like viewed through a lens darkly right? like sure. like why would you actually use this uh and that's fine you know that, that maybe that's what works because they're not these are not plays for like trying to actually get you to buy it right now right like there's a lot of stuff that's going on
1: yeah
2: uh, with these advertisements i mean mark i'm surprised you didn't want to talk about the arnold commercial
1: I mean, I do, but yeah. like <laughs> before we do that, like let, let's let's just wrap up the whole oh, like yeah. uh, sleeper theme, um, and because well, he's a sleeper too. What's up? He, he, you're right, he is. But let's talk about Ken Jung and the Popeyes chicken wings. For okay, second, sure, right? sure, sure. Like a, a key detail, by the way, and uh, tell me if I saw this, which is that there's like a title card or, just, or, or or like a label on his freezing pod which says that he was frozen in the 70s. Just like a strange uh. detail <laughs> put in there um But like that's his frame of reference, apparently, right? And he's unfrozen now in 2024, I believe, specifically because like you know his instructions before he went into the pod were like, wake me up when there's something good, like when you know when when Popeye's chicken wings or something to that effect. Is that kind of the arc that he went under? Do you, do you are you or do you guys recall something different?
2: No, no, I mean that's uh, that's fair to me. That makes sense to me. That like, but I don't know why it's Ken Jong if he was frozen in the past yes,
1: that that was also strange as well yeah. right also yeah. because like you know uh, let's be honest here Korean American men who have been frozen in the mid-70s who wake up and you know speak uh, you know English <laughs> without uh without a trace of an accent <laughs> highly improbable yes. and I say that from my own personal experience
2: it was only it's, legal for them to come here four years prior right pretty like, much like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um I shouldn't yeah so anyway but it, uh yeah So, yeah, so I think that's the gist, right? Well, when I think of that, I think like, well, is that when was Popeyes founded? Is he like from when Popeyes was new? Um, I don't know what the significance is of of that, Uh, although I guess you could say that the 70s are recalling a period of, of cultural disjointment, maybe malaise, maybe. You know stagflation, things of that sort that might feel. Um,
1: Popeyes was in fact founded in 1972, so that is absolutely
2: not a coincidence. Yes, yeah. So he's he is like he was frozen with the beginning of Popeyes, and now he is awakening into the presence of Popeyes, and so he has merely skipped the past, uh, skipped the past entirely.
0: Um, I, I mean, speaking speaking of folk, you know, and the the Folksgeist, yeah. right? I uh, <laughs> I there is actually something interesting before I want I want to let Mark talk about the the Arnold commercial, um, but the uh, the, the neighbor, but, um, we, we have to talk about the Volkswagen, I think, right? Because the Volkswagen commercial with the, the Neil Diamond song, right? And all the, the archival footage, all the, like the, um, you know, historical looking footage was sort of, sort of positioning Volkswagen as a, as a heritage American brand. Right yep. in in a way mm-hmm. that the sacks of potatoes were doing it, and that is kind of like laughably not the case. <laughs> you <know? laughs> if you like, if you know, uh, you know, uh, remember, remember the Treaty of Westphalia. Uh, if you know why it says Westphalia <laughs> on the side of of uh, you know Volkswagen buses or at least some models of them, like that's you know that 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 this is this is an interesting. I mean, this is an interesting thing that is kind of going in this uh that is going in this this one i hope i guess like uh volkswagen is hoping that that you are asleep (laughs) uh it's not so much the the er sleeper as the you are a sleeper (laughs) because um (laughs) you've completely you've completely missed the the uh you know the kind of where this where this brand where this manufacturer comes comes from um uh mark all right get let's get a little Arnold before we talk about Usher yeah I'm here for it,
1: yeah. Matthew, I'm here to talk about the Arnold commercial. Good. Um, so, just before we talk specifically about that, good, like, you
0: are a good commentator.
1: Yes. Yes. Okay. So, um, the uh, it is we do have to point out that um this is not the only commercial that rested really squarely on wow that celebrity talks funny right? There was the Christopher Walken. Ah, uh, BMW commercial, which is like, eh, okay, like that was fine. You know, everybody's got their everybody's got their Christopher Walken impression, which I'm not gonna um uh, make you suffer through. But uh, okay, the Arnold commercial itself, okay, it's so, like the sleeper aspect of it is that uh, Arnold is a sleeper, right? You know, he has awoken in, in a certain way and has been called you know, back in to perform um, parodies of himself from his hate action heyday, right? You know, rescuing things, uh, you know, flying a helicopter. Um, and then de- delivering, um, you know, the, 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 the line that like a good neighbor state farm is here. Um, and, uh, like I, I'm, I, I'll, I'll need you, honestly, I'll need you guys to help kind of like, you know, connect it to the broader themes here, other than this, like, you kind of know, the general nostalgia play here, right? You know, um, yes, Arnold Schwarzenegger's movies were popular. His heyday is long, long, long since past, Um, but, uh, you know, he, he's still, he's still good for this very specific thing um just like uh, before, before i turn over to you like uh, the, i will just like add by the way like the weirdness of arnold schwarzenegger you can't understate it right and like um what's important about that is like you know there's this sort of moment can only happen once then this moment i mean like um mass media coming along um kind of the creeping internationalization and someone breaking through um kind of the the the, the barriers presented by cold war europe and exploding onto the american scene in like special effects driven um genre fiction i.e the terminator um and then him going on to of all things become the governor of california and become this meta pop culture character right like that's gonna happen like that is a once in a lifetime once in once in a like you know human history <laughs> sort of thing and so he is here he has he has broken through like you know from austria post-war austria through the cold war um you know through the advent of modern media um and uh and he's here, he hasn't gone anywhere. He's here. Had, he sort of went away. He went to sleep and he came back. Did he come back? Mm. He's always be back. What's going on here, Pete? Tell me. So Never the most important
2: sorry. thing about this commercial is the shirt that he's wearing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it, that's my take on it. So so again, there's there's this obfuscation of like what the point of the commercial is because we're spending time. Uh, with the alienation of the person who's arrived into the world uh and there's this idea that like they don't even know that arnold talks like that right like they hired arnold to be in the commercial and they don't even know that that's the way
1: (laughs) there you go yeah it's it's some young gen z dude yeah who doesn't even know that arnold's uvra
2: exactly it doesn't even know that arnold schwarzenegger actually does talk like that and, and that's the way that it should be pronounced um And the the reason I say it's about the shirt is because the brand proposition here is that these guys wear this outfit that's the sort of casual outfit. And it's supposed to differentiate them from other insurance companies where you expect people to be more buttoned up less familiar, like both either like totally not caring or like way too formal, right? And so there's this sort of like mid-level sort of comfort vibe that they go for. A lot of insurance companies have people who dress like this. It's a very common way to dress if you work at an insurance company. But but uh, as in like a, a polo shirt, like a, like a golf shirt and, and, uh, and chinos of some kind or some sort it of like untucked also vest. notably. Uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, there you go. So yeah, so but the fact that you're putting him in that – That is a that is part of the sort of stranger in a strange land experience here is that Arnold is dressed like a State Farm agent. And and in that sense, the contrast there to them, I would assume, is a big part of what is happening. Uh, that, that, that seems to me to be a big part of the story is one, the Gen Z people don't know that Arnold has this thick accent that is sort of trademarked to his popularity. And one of the big reasons you would want to have him on in the first place. And so they're giving notes for him to get rid of it, uh, even though they're still having him on the thing, uh, which is a, a, a hexcape, right? And the second one is Arnold is being dressed in the manner of their sort of trademark, uh, representative person which is drawing a similar sort of difference uh, you know of like you know uh, polo shirts versus notional non-polo shirts uh, which are actually also polo shirts that the other shirts companies are wear. but then there's also the idea that what are they going to change the tagline is that what the big reveal is going to be like the big sequel is that they're going to make a different a different tagline that arnold will be able to pronounce with his accent because it won't involve like a rotal r uh, like <laughs> like is that the idea Uh, Like what's going to happen on February 11th is like, oh man, we're not going to call like a good neighbor anymore. It's going to be something else. That, That I'm curious about is that are they are they changing themselves? There's just this this idea that you're really concerned about State Farm, like that you care who State Farm is, you care what they do, and the story is about them. Uh, and Arnold has sort of shown up and is being subordinated into the story about State Farm, which I think is also interesting, right? Yeah, um, it's
0: it's it's an instance of like, uh, you know, you you think I'm trapped in here with you, but you're actually trapped in here with me, yeah, <laughs> you know, right? Like uh, as to whose whose um, I whose brand gravity, right? Sort of wins the day, you know. Yeah. Um, I the the thing that. Really, I couldn't watch this commercial for analysis because it is totally clear to me that Arnold did not spend one day on set with the rest of the people and that he's he's like computer graphics in uh to this commercial. I'm going to put yeah. I'm going to put this the YouTube uh link for this commercial on the like the official State Farm marketing YouTube channel um in the show notes for this episode. Now I, I want you to go and look look shot by shot how the shots are constructed so that uh, like in wide shots, uh, the stand-in's face is obscured. The Arnold character's face is obscured. Um, there's a lot of narrow shots of like, you know, close-ups on things. He's running. It's a shot of his feet. He's flying. It's a shot of his hands doing, you know, operating the controls. Um, and in the two shots, look at how the eyelines don't match. And then in the two shots, look around his beard, look around his jawline and just observe how, uh, it's, it's just weirdly painted in. It's just like. Oddly, one of those things where you like Photoshop and then you just like use the smudge tool a little bit around the edges of the, of the thing that you're, you're pacing in in order to make it happen. And I just couldn't, I couldn't watch the rest, right? Or I couldn't like watch it for anything, anything else but that because it was so clear that like everyone else was on set for this commercial and like, uh, you know, Arnold like took a couple of iPhone videos, you know, uh, from the, from the, the changing Room at Gold's Gym or something like that, and they just pasted his face onto the thing.
1: You're totally right. I'm watching it as you're describing that here, and uh, now that I see it, I absolutely it's uncanny, it.
0: right? When when you watch it, it's like uh it's like everyone is starring in the state farm commercial and and Arnold is is starring in the Polar Express.
1: Yeah, and the killer know? for it also is that he's also not in the same actually in the same shot with Danny DeVito at the end of the movie theater, when like ostensibly they're supposed to be having an intimate moment. Oh,
0: yeah, I didn't so even see Reunited yeah. with each other. Didn't even see that one. Yeah, it's a, it's uh, a, it's all it's all Hexcape.
1: Yeah, as Pete as Pete's mentioned earlier, <laughs>
2: <laughs> hexscape communicator man.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: <laughs> is, it time, is it time to turn to our? Uh, is it time to to uh, turn turn our attention to the halftime show?
2: Unless you want to so, talk yeah. for twenty minutes about Ben Affleck, which I don't think anybody here wants to. <laughs> oh, oh my! I love gosh, the dunkings, yeah. but let, let's talk about the halftime show. Let's talk about the second best. Uh, retro hip hop performance that takes place in the Super Bowl, <laughs> which was Usher and not Ben
0: Affleck.
1: <laughs>
0: um, yeah, I mean, uh, Mark, you want to you want to dive in? What did you think of it?
1: Uh, I thought it was great. Um, and I'm saying this as someone who was not very familiar with Usher's music. Right? There's like a handful of hits um, that I recognize, like the the first half of the show got off to a pretty slow start for me because i didn't understand didn't know the music i was like okay fine like you know usher is dancing incredibly and he's performing great this is all fine and good but this is not like you know moving me deeply in a way that um uh you know a, a, another halftime show would. is say it, if, if taylor swift herself had actually showed up for halftime I mean, it wasn't moving me in that sort of way um and um you know alicia keys being there was fine it felt a little bit out of place um but really as i before mentioned like you know the guitar solo kind of cut the show in half, and then when Rusher came out in roller skates, it was like it just like my attention level well, just like shot up immediately. It's like oh, okay, spectacle. They got it. They know what they're doing here. I'm in good hands. To uh, borrow a phrase from a different insurance company <laughs> or <from a> marketing <laughs> slogan, but uh, that is absolutely what I felt like in that moment there, and. Um, of course, it only got better from there, right? With um, um, with Little John himself, um, um, and, and, and even mixing and turned down for the aforementioned turned down for what was just fantastic, and then Ludacris coming in with a rap and just the uh, the, like the exuberance at the end was really showing for everyone involved. It's like, okay, everyone here is having a good time; they know it. Um, and uh, the audience at home is also having a good time. Really, it's pretty pretty stellar. Like like I have like, nine out of ten. Maybe I have some notes about the the weird um, editing and camera angles at the at the beginning part of it. But again, once the roller stick came out, like it was uh, it was really quite phenomenal.
0: Yeah, Pete, what'd you think?
2: I loved it. I I felt like someone must have listened to our podcast last year because <laughs> they did a whole bunch of the things that that I remember talking about.
1: Usher himself.
2: Yes. Okay,
1: maybe not usher. Okay, <laughs> little John listened to yep. it and he uh, went over to Usher and his production crew and he was just like, okay. Jermaine Dupri what?
2: is on our Discord in, under an alias. Yes. Uh, <laughs> which is, no, which is that it took place in three dimensions. That was my complaint about the Rihanna. Halftime show, and also kind of my complaint about the Dr. Dre halftime show, which was that they were put forward in order to be viewed from a distance in stands in two dimensions but that's not good for televising because the camera you you can't really use the camera to go different places or see different things all that well because of the way it's staged right it's like staged to be a stage show only to be viewed for certain seats right and they did some like moving it around but they didn't have the kind of dynamism that you can have in in a giant theater in the round show Mm -hmm. uh, that some of the past halftime shows has had most notably the Prince halftime show also to an extent the Katy Perry halftime show uh, which where it's like this is a point of focus this is a point of focus the camera is directing you at the same time that the spectacle is directing you so this one my favorite part of the whole thing was the visual effect and maybe they've done this before maybe they haven't where usher would like tap his toe when he's dancing and a ripple would go from his foot across the floor. And then you would see it go up the, the monitor strips on the sides of the stadium. It would kind of enclose like, like ripples sound waves would go out from Usher's foot and just encompass the entire stadium in this sort of cool graphical win amp thing that I thought was great. And I thought that the transitions were cool. I thought the shape was cool. Just the, the ability to come downstage and do something. There have been so many, like, think about Adam Levine, right? And the Adam Levine, uh, the Maroon 5 halftime show. Adam Levine coming downstage was, like, the biggest laughable moment and uncomfortable moment of the entire show. The show was not designed with the idea that someone was going to come downstage, and so when he did it, it looked really stupid. Uh, also, the whole tattoo thing, and he was so shiny. It uh, was a little uncomfortable.
1: All that weird. right? I remember him looking like he was not having fun.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. He's walking down a long gangplank in bad lighting with his shiny stomach with his California tattoo in the middle of the frame, right? And it's like – and it just looked perfunctory and kind of silly, right? And it's like, okay, well, now when the camera cuts, it's like the idea that like we change the camera and suddenly we have just by putting up a couple of little pieces of furniture, we now have ludicrous cut coming in the cut through a crowded strip club. Right? Like, like think about the amount of set that they put together to have 50 Cent do those sit-ups. There's like a whole multi-unit apartment building turned sideways sitting in the middle of the of the field so that you can get this weird, awkward medium shot of 50 Cent doing sit-ups. And now in this show, the stage design is so much more elegant that you just put up the four poles and you turn the camera 90 degrees and you have Ludacris walk towards you. And all of a sudden you have this whole new setting that's overlapping with the previous settings with no transition, right? And it, and it fills the whole, the whole screen. Right. And uh, and it even sort of expands and relates to the area around it, like the dimensions of Ludacris and the poles and the stadium all kind of fit a composition. So, like, I really liked that part of the show. I liked the way it was shot. I liked the way that it moved from act to act. I loved the part of what made Turn Down for What Works So Great is that claustrophobic camera angle, which where the camera's like jostling with Little John in the crowd, right? When you compare that to, say, like the Kendrick Lamar camera angle, which I can't kind of like – that was very clever, the like cardboard box stuff that was going on, but it wasn't set up to be shot well. Right? It wasn't set up to like put you in an intimate situation regarding the difference between the people who are over here in this part of the show and the people who are over there in that part of the show. And it wasn't that the camera was being used poorly. It was there's a form and function problem with like building the set in order to appeal to the large audience that's watching it live, but then also trying to build it for the camera that's looking at it. And I just felt like this show, even the roller skating, right, like was so compact that you could watch all of it in one TV meeting. Medium shot. It's not. You only have to pull up for a wide shot to watch the roller skating, right? Which is crazy that you have roller skating in a football stadium, but it's still happening where at, at a at a distance that you can see the whites of everyone's eyes, right? Like you can see everybody uh, everybody rolling around. Um, so I don't know. So I get very very excited about it. I, I I really liked the the transitions. I liked the pacing. I mean, I love the songs. I mean, I love this music too, and and this is just uh, this this felt like a revival, and it felt like it felt like a deliberate like this is better than the Dr. Dre show kind of um, uh, is like, well, the doctor. This-
0: I mean, uh, the, the, I mean, you I, you've all heard my take on the Dr. Dre show, which is that they they built that apartment building, they they constructed in Erzatz, uh South Los Angeles to replace the south los angeles that they raised to develop the stadium <laughs> yes, there yes, right like yes. in in inglewood like in one of the main <laughs> neighborhood anyway sorry i'm i'm uh i'm done yeah i i thought that like this this was i w- the first thing i noticed about it like when i was watching it last week was that there was no real big reveal of usher uh, you know, it wasn't like I, I think like who like Lady Gaga maybe like came down from the sky or something like that, or yep, yep, you yeah, know, that was definitely her. Like that, that uh, I I was watching historical halftime shows and like Michael Jackson, there were like five Michael Jacksons around the the stadium, like with pyrotechnics and stuff, and then like the real one was revealed in the in the center of the stage in the fifty yard line and said, "There's no real moment like that." And that I think that was a signal, right? Like that was that was really. Kind of a gauntlet thrown in in terms of like what the artistic goals uh, of the like the visual presentation of this are are going to be, and it was going to be like it was going to be intimate. You know, it was going to be on a on a human scale. There was some stuff that was shot from a little farther back, largely then involved the the drum corps that was there or the marching band that was there. But like um, even that, you know, is. Is to be understood as people doing a thing, right? And that that like um, when you when you focus not at at a you know eighty thousand spectator size on giant spectacle and you really bring the focus in, uh, make the focus a lot more intimate. Um, you're really focusing on what that performer can do on a small mm-hmm. scale, right? And the point is that it's being done. The performer can do it, and it's happening. It's being done, and it's real. Like Usher is really roller skating. Usher is Really taking his shirt off. Usher is really (laughs) like. I thought the footwork on the grass was super impressive. You know, he was like sliding, you know, doing stuff that you would expect, like, okay, this is like a waxed floor, you know, and like special dance shoes. But no, he was like wearing sneakers. He was on the turf, like he was, you know, sliding around. Like he looked super elegant. He was, he was, uh, really good. Even the little, the little crack note, like everyone's talking about it, it. She missed a note missed a note no she didn't miss a note she kind of her pitch was right she kind of cracked in the middle of it but it was a sign that she was really singing right it was real it was it's something that the performer can do and it was being done uh there it's a human it's a human voice um and and then finally last the the image that i've chosen for the for the kind of the um Poster image for this and, and, unless the NFL like sues me. Cause remember, uh, you know, images, uh, videos, accounts of the game are all copyrighted, uh, by the NFL. So we're, we're, that's why we haven't talked about the game at all. Um, but it's, it shows the, uh, it shows the, the final shot of the, of the halftime show that was broadcast on, uh, you know, at the, as they're kind of pulling away. At the end, the very last, uh, yeah. Uh, and it looks small. Right, it stretches maybe from like 135 to the other 35. You know, it's not kind of dominating the whole field with a with a giant set. It's not like a huge palace that's like a hall of funhouse mirrors like the weekend had. It's not tall. You know, it's not built up big. Like one of the the strategies that you that you can use for creating spectacle in a space like that is to build up big and it's not. It's one it's one thing. And I don't know if you noticed, like, the decking was bouncing <laughs> during the last couple numbers when everyone was standing yeah. together and kind of bouncing up and down. It's part There's, of how they
1: communicated the exuberance of the
0: moment. 100%. Like, but I also was a little scared for them all on those, you know, that deck is four by eight pieces. It's got, like, truss underneath to, like, to hold it up. And, and like, they were re- was really trampolining. And I, I thought, like, you know, t- tragedy struck Las Vegas <laughs> When the nation's leading lights as performers were, you know, all crushed underneath a collapsed, uh, collapsed stage set. But, um, anyway, so this, I, ju- I
2: just thought it was a pro wrestling ring that they'd repurpose. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, it's got the springs underneath it. It's awesome.
0: It's a sprung <laughs> floor for dancing. Yeah. So like, look at this. I mean, you, if you don't see it in your, in your podcast app, go look at the, um, uh, go look at the, the homepage of Overthinking it, where the whole, uh, where the, you'll see, I think the top, the the top featured slot is for content merchandising is the the podcast and um you'll you'll see what i mean like how it it just it looks small it looks like an island you know in a big sea of kind of blue black uh uh you know sea of people and it it is this this kind of intimate intimate scale thing so yeah i mean i had a i had a similar uh, i had a similar thing i i like i like I thought, you know, Prince guitar solo shadow puppet, like was awesome. Um, I don't know. I like a lot of the really, I like a lot of the really big gestures, but this to me had a focus, you know, that it had a, had a hmm, clarity of purpose, right? That a lot of the, the big gesture that certainly the weekend kind of lacked and that. Uh, the the like the mashup the like the 90s hip hop mashup um, at at SoFi in Los Angeles kind of lacked, and the uh, you know so so I mean I think it was a real I think it was a real success on on its own terms on the you know the terms that it it set out for itself.
2: Yeah. I do want to say that as the years go by, um, in, ter- in terms of like halftime shows, the one one moment for me, that really just only grows in my esteem for Super Bowl halftime shows is Left Shark. (laughs) Like, man, left <laughs> shark was a special time, you know, like, cause I think it all, it hits on some of what you're talking about. Obviously it was a found thing. It wasn't on purpose. I'm of course talking about when Katy Perry did the halftime show and she was doing California girls, I believe. And she was flanked on the other side with in people with mascot shark costumes doing a dance. And the shark on the left was kind of not really doing the dance. And was kind of slow and struggling a little bit. And it was this wonderful, like, like uh, everyone identifies with the left shark, right? Like not being able to keep up, but, but the, idea idea of like the size and scope and extent of Katy Perry's show in general versus the like intimate relationship you have with the shark that's standing like two and a half feet to her to her right and in the back. This was much more of a left shark scale show than a uh than a you're a fireworks show, right? Like that uh Um, Then a a giant walking tiger roar show. Um, This this was like what's happening, you know, in the six inches in front of your face. Um, How do we feel about these people who are up there in front of all these people and the feelings that they're having about our feelings about them? People who need people are the luckiest people in the world. I've been told,
0: <laughs>
2: and I think Usher needs people pretty badly. So I'm glad he got this. <laughs> That's great.
0: Let's take, uh, Let's do one. One more commercial or one more uh, commercial theme before we before we wrap it up because we are uh, we are coming up on our on our time. Um, there were two alternative soda. Commercials, uh, Starry uh, featuring Ice Spice, and then Poppy, which didn't have a a uh, which was sort of the anti uh, the anti soda. It didn't have a, a celebrity endorser, I think. But but uh, Poppy, I'm I'm here to tell you, it tastes like apple cider vinegar. Um, it, has pro- <laughs> it has it has probiotics. We're here to run the anti commercial for these products. <laughs> it's here. But but uh, there were there were a couple of um, there were a couple of, uh, commercials where actually the note that I wrote, uh, as my note for the commercial, as I was say, as I was, you know, just logging my thoughts as I I watched through, uh, earlier today was, uh, who is your corporate parent, (laughs) you know, because this was the, uh, this was the, the year of E-Trade, uh, E-Trade is now E-Trade from Morgan Stanley. You know, and that uh that like I think who who is your corporate parent? But like, I don't know, Pete, is it is it throwing is it throwing red meat to the base? If I if I say, would you like to talk about the Kawasaki Ridge commercial, Uh which I'm not sure if it's an ATV or a street legal car, but apparently when it drives by, everyone gets a mullet. No, is that not not uh, that one wasn't <laughs> that one wasn't in your 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 no, wheelhouse? The, I thought that, that that might this be it. that might be this year's Chevy Silverado. <laughs> but uh, you know, maybe maybe, maybe maybe there's another one that speaks more to your heart.
2: The one that speaks the most to my heart that I haven't mentioned yet. Is probably the Oikos yogurt commercial where Martin Lawrence goes into the water and lifts up a golf cart, and like and personally manhandles it and puts it back onto the 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 turf. That one speaks to me again because of the meta meta cinematics of it, right? Because it's with Shannon Sharp, and the joke is that Shannon Sharp is like in his fifties and is still super jacked and not married, uh, and and it's sort of like okay, you're staying in shape for somebody, right? Like, uh, uh, and and of course Shannon Sharp has had this. Podcast where he's had comedians on talking about stuff, right? And he had this huge thing, which we only really alluded to before, where Cat Williams went on his show and spent like three hours dishing gossip and and uh and insults and and disses and roasts and hard truths and strange things uh, about all sorts of different comedians, right? And so this you know, Shannon Sharp's podcast has become this place where like Mainstream comedians aren't safe now because anyone can come on there. Monique was was talking some smack about Kevin Hart on there, too, the past week or two. And you have Martin Lawrence on there, who you have – who is like a major target of derision in a lot of these, these uh, podcasts, not – for himself but because if he was willing to cross-dress which is a big deal uh for a lot of these folks that are on this podcast but the idea that like you have the potential powder keg of shannon sharp and martin lawrence in the era of club shay shay in a super bowl commercial and they're going to talk about yogurt (laughs) and and, and martin lawrence is going to have superpowers (laughs) which is like such a total left field from what you would have expected from the setup it's like it's almost like they're punishing you for knowing the lore, right? Which I think was something that I really connected with. Which is the <laughs> idea of like the more you know about the context of this commercial, the less you're invited to participate in what the commercial is doing. And that I did really appreciate. Uh, although I should rewatch that Kawasaki commercial because it didn't register with me. Maybe I maybe my eyes weren't on it when it was on the TV and I missed it. But uh, if there really is something so exciting that it can John Stamos your hair just by proximity, well, I mean every every. <laughs> Every American ought to get off the get off the couch and get one, right? That's uh I know what I'm <laughs> with the you money for your... we save for watching free television. Right? I know what I'm getting get you, a, a Kawasaki Ridge. Looks yeah. like an ATV.
0: It looks like uh looks Wait, is like... it
2: like a Polaris slingshot? What is it? Is it a? is it an ATV? Is it a
0: I don't know if it's a if it's a car, if it's an automobile, or if it's a uh, if it's an if it's an ATV. It probably
2: varies by state, right? Oh, it's a side by side. A side, it's a side by, by side. That's I, I would describe that as a side by side. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, I, I don't okay. know. I don't know what that is. I know what side by side by Sondheim is uh, because <laughs> I'm a theater kid. But uh, you know, <laughs> a side, side, by side by
2: side is an ATV where two people can ride side by side. Ah. And Got so it. it's like, it's for two people. I first, I learned the phrase side by side. It's actually the anniversary of when I first rode in a side by side. Because one of the things that side by sides are for, uh, in case you didn't know, is that if there's not enough snow on the ground, you can dog sled on a side by side in neutral. So when I went side, when I went dog sledding a bunch of years ago with my wife, uh, there was not enough snow to use the sleds. And so they busted out the side by sides in neutral and hooked the dogs to the front. And they just pulled you and it was great. Um, but yeah, no, that's a side by side. And there's a, yeah, 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 and uh, and apparently it, t- it gives you a mullet. I'm surprised they didn't already have mullets given the situation, but I suppose where this is a an imagination of side by side country from the bleeding edge, uh, not think, the other way around. I think because
1: the, the, the mullets were sleepers and they were awoken by the yeah. call. <laughs> the mullets were with you all along, Mark. You just had to look within yourself. It's the, it's the, it's <laughs> the
0: mullet mullet within, Mark. You got you got yeah. a last one. Send it. Send us off.
1: Yeah, um, let's go with the aliens for, squ- for Squarespace. And by the way, there are at least three k- Super Bowl commercials with aliens. Uh, and so you know, I guess aliens are having a moment uh, because, you know, the U.S. government is like more openly acknowledging the presence of uh, unidentified aerial phenomenon. Um, and also like the location in, 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 of the Super Bowl in Las Vegas might and have something also, to do with it. Also
0: because we must secure our southern border.
1: Mm, oh, yes. Also, definitely that as well. Um, and I guess what, uh, let's just like, let's, I want to call back one of the earliest, um, overthinking it's Super Bowl, um, uh, kind of thought technologies, uh, or kind of big ideas that, or trends that we had, uh, coined, I think that we coined, which is, um, bad things happen to people who use our products, right? <laughs> which is, and, and that's Squarespace, right? The bad thing is that like, um, you know, our websites that you create from Squarespace are so good, so compelling that people are only going to look at those things and they will ignore the uh, world-changing events that are happening um, just are right above their heads because they're too busy looking at their phones. Um, so kudos to Squarespace for recognizing how toxic their own product is. Um, and uh, we, I, for one, welcome our alien overlords who will liberate us from our screens.
0: Well, there is a, there's so much more. That we could have uh, that we could have talked about um, the, uh, the the crowdstrike commercial which is really a, a, a b2b commercial on a, a b2c occasion don't quite understand i don't think a lot of people who buy cybersecurity products are are necessarily thinking about it at the super bowl uh there's the uh there's ll cool j uh driving a train that delivers cool coors light pete that's the silver bullet the silver bullet hmm. that that won't slow you down uh comp- <laughs> it should
1: there's there's <laughs> but it won't. There's, there's uh <laughs> There's uh, Pfizer who retconned the entire uh, last uh, 200 years or so of science and retroactively employed what Mary Curie and Albert Einstein and anyone else who invented anything.
0: Right, <laughs> absolutely. If you have ever had a thought in your head, you actually work for <laughs> Pfizer. Uh, and by the way, they want to they want to cure they want to cure cancer. Uh, you, we could talk about the Google. Uh, we could talk about the Google uh, accessibility commercial where they're uh, giving voice descriptions, AI generated voice descriptions of uh of a person with with visual impairment taking selfies um you know uh that we could we could talk about kate mckinnon uh, with the cat that says mayo and uh it's a commercial for best foods mayo yep. we could talk about uh snapchat less social more snapchat which is a really good entry in the it's not tv it's hbo kind of kind of laddering uh uh, thing. Um, you know, I will
2: I will say Mario Lopez ate Chris Pratt's lunch <laughs> because that whole Pringles thing is just a lamer, less committal example of that wonderful Colonel Sanders uh Hallmark movie that they did, or lifetime movie that they did, right? Where Colonel Sanders was the cook and had the Torrid affair with the the woman, the, the heiress, right? And then the other guy and the secret recipe was stolen. Do you guys remember all that stuff? uh that was that was choice but yeah the idea that there'll be like a rakish mustachioed youngish colonel uh mr pringle uh go go watch the mario lopez well, don't watch it. Watch a commentary about it or something. something <laughs>
0: that... <laughs> go back, go back and listen. Go back and listen to us. We had we had competing Jesus ads. We had yes. Uh, we didn't even talk know, about that. Something. We even uh, talk about that. Uh, something. Uh, let me see. I, I search LLC in my notes. Yes, there you go. Uh, he gets us LLC. LLC, by the way, is a for profit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, uh, a corporate structure um, about uh, washing feet. And, uh, what, and, and, uh, this is one that got, got me to write as in my notes, who is your corporate parent? Um, yeah. but we also had Mark Wahlberg doing a spot for Lent uh that was uh you know that was uh, another good there's so many we could talk about but we're not uh, we you know we don't have unlimited time so come on come on into the discord uh, with us you know uh, d- d- send me send, send me an email podcast overthinking.com if you want to invite to the discord uh, and we'll uh, we'll talk about some more Super Bowl ads in there I appreciate everybody listening thanks very much thanks to Pete and Mark for uh, you know one week belatedly doing all doing all the reserve reading going through all the commercials again and uh, and talking talking this uh, talking this through and uh, we'll be back next week. Until then, uh, you can visit us on the web at overthinkingit.com where we subject the popular yeah to uh, a level of scrutiny.
2: It, prob- it probably, probably doesn't, doesn't, doesn't deserve
1: You no, know, we talked so much about insurance on this podcast. We did forgot to mention that um, the liability coverage for that roller skating sequence must have been just out of control.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's probably it, much like Starlight Express. That's something that could only be underwritten in London, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's an elaborate insurance joke. <laughs> an elaborate roller skating joke.